0: Thank you for choosing to listen to today's message by Reverend Dr. David Entry. We know you will be blessed as you seek and serve God. We believe that this message will stir up a desire for more of God, even as you listen. Be blessed. Revelations chapter 3, I think let me indulge myself in the scriptures by reading from verse 1. To the angel of the church of uh, church in Sardis write, these things say he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works that you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die, for I have not found your works perfect before God. Remember therefore how you have received and heard, how uh, hold fast and repent. Therefore, if you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief, and you will not know what hour I will come upon you. You have a few names even in Sardis who have not defiled defiled, them, their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments, and I will not blot out his name from the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to their churches. Verse seven. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, write, these things say he who is holy, he who is true, he who has the keys of David, he who opens and no one shuts, and shuts and no one opens. I know your works. See, I have set before you an open door and no one can shut it, for you have a little strength. You have kept my word and have not defied my name. Indeed, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews and are not, be, uh, but lie in, uh, lie in deed? I will make them come and worship before your feet, and to know that I have loved thee. Verse 10, because you have kept my, you have kept my commandment, sorry, my command to preserve, sorry, to persevere, I also will keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell in the on the earth behold I am coming quickly, hold fast what you have, that no one may take your crown. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go out no more. I will write on him the name of my God, and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God, and I will write on him my new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches." Amen. Amen. As I said, the letter to the seven churches are letters written from Christ himself to the churches in Asia. I said that the little, a little history behind this. These were not um, virtual churches. These were actual churches which existed after Jesus left. In the first, within the first hundred years of the church, these churches existed. And they existed in the cities whose names defined the church. So the name of those churches were the names of the cities. So for instance, the church of Ephesus, what's the name of the church? The church of Ephesus. The church of Smyrna. The, the city is Smyrna, but the church in Smyrna is called the Church of Smyrna or the Church in Smyrna. So the names of the churches were determined by the cities in which the churches were. And so the conditions in the cities reflected. On the church I've said this already, but it's good to reiterate these letters were written to existing churches at that time. But even though it was an existential letter, it was also prophetic. Those letters were more than just the local church churches, but said seven churches in Asia. But they were, those churches were also re- reflecting and representing the state of the churches from the time Christ left to the time Christ will come. Every church may fall into one of these categories, yeah. All right. So the church of Ephesus used to be existing, but now, that kind of church is not in existence. Church of Smyrna is not in existence. The first three, and then Church of Pergamos are not in existence. How do you know? Because all of them, Jesus didn't say it till I come back. I'm coming. But then the Church of Titeria, the Church of um, uh, Sardis, all of them, here, Jesus said, I'm coming quickly. I'm coming. So by the time Jesus is coming, these four last churches will still be in existence. So we are in one of these churches. So we are either a church of um, Tychemia, a church of Sardis, a church of Philadelphia, and a church of Laodicea. And today I'm going on the church of Philadelphia. All right. So now, you can tell how the church has degraded. All the seven churches, every one of them, Jesus had something negative to tell them. He had condemnation to give them. Every one of them, some of them, like Church of Ephesus, Jesus commended them and condemned something. So there was commendation and condemnation. Some had only condemnation. Others, two of all these churches had only commendations. One of such church is the Church of Smyrna, which was a suffering church. And now, the next church that did not have anything negative said about them but commendation is the Church of Philadelphia. Now, so it's good to study the Church of Philadelphia because if anyone should want to be that, a certain church, then your desire should be a Church of Philadelphia. When you have Church of Philadelphia, people will be saved. It takes a faithful church to get the world saved. It takes a faithful church to get sinners saved. Not a church that is trying to look like sinners. So that sinners can feel, uh, will not feel threatened. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one, Crossover appeal. No, the church must always remain the church. It's like heat. Heat must always remain hot. <laughs> because who will go and turn on your radiator if it's beginning to produce cold just to adapt to your room you there you don't need a radiator when the temperature is cold you don't turn on cold air air condition so now Jesus writes this letter to the church of Philadelphia and then he says to the church in the city of Philadelphia we got to know about Philadelphia because I think it will be good. It's not the one in America. <laughs> the, the one in America was named after um, this actual one in the Bible. OK, so I just want to, a few things I need you to know about Philadelphia. Philadelphia is a city. A few things you have to know about the city. Uh, it was at a very strategic location in Asia Minor. All right modern day turkey it was a strat- at a very strategic location there so that when anybody is coming and the city is sleeping they will see that the city is sleeping now so that that city was so strategic that it was it was a major trade route everybody uses that place all these cities are they are on a postal route okay but this uh, philadelphia was very prominent and w- well known and so all the authorities in the, for instance, the Greeks, when they were trying to spread towards the east, they went through, they have to go to Philadelphia because Philadelphia was so strategic and influenced Philadelphia and with their culture and with their language so that through Philadelphia they could influence all the surrounding Um, cities and towns with their culture to the extent that an adjoining city in Philadelphia became, uh, uh, they lost their identity and they became so, anytime you hear the word Hellenistic means Greek. Okay, they became so Greek, Greek philosophy, Greek culture, Greek language. They have lost their identity, that city, because they are so close to Philadelphia. Philadelphia was like a hub to spread there. So it was known as the gateway or it was like a missionary city but not missionary to spread the gospel, missionary to spread Hellenistic culture, the Greek culture. So now, bear that in mind. So uh, Philadelphia was like a missionary city to spread uh, a culture, a particular culture. Number two, the environment. Philadelphia was built, or is a city which was in uh, an area prone to earthquakes and prone to uh, volcanic eruptions, and so because of that, there are a lot of every night the volcanic eruptions take place, and because of that, the volcanic ashes that formed the soil were very fertile. So, agriculture was rife there. They, they had a very fertile land, fertile area. So, agriculture was doing well, especially grapes. The vine, the vine, used was doing so well there that they produced a lot of wine there. To the extent that their god, okay, they are god. You know, most of all those people have gods. and So they're, they're, those times, the god there was called the, the Dionysius. Dionysius is the god of wine. Yeah, that's their god, they're the god of wine. That could tell you wine is big there. Because of the, the vine that flourishes in, if you want wine. Wa- go to Philadelphia. That place was very good. And so Dionysius was the god of grape harvest, the god of winemaking and wine, the god of fertility, the god of ritual madness, religious ecstasy, the- the- theater in the ancient Greek world. So Dionysius was their god. That tells you that. And then number three, um, because of the earthquakes, the p- buildings were being destroyed by earthquakes and rebuilt. So the building trade was a very good trade there. So when you read, it says that I'll make you a pillar. I'm the open door. He was actually even using building terminologies because the building trade was a very good trade. there. They were very used to buildings. Number four, they had a, a few gods and temples. But number five is the very important one I want you to know. I want you to know. One interesting thing about Philadelphia is they underwent name change a few times. Name change. So the city itself had a few different names. For, for, for instance, the, the name Philadelphia, how did they get it? There was this um, king, the king of Pergamos, very influential, powerful man. King of Pergamos, who was called Atheles, had a brother called Emenes. has a, had a brother called Emenes. I'm telling you the story behind it, okay? And Atenes At, 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 loved his brother so much. He was, it was strange the way this man was in love with his brother. When I say in love, I don't mean romantic love. Yeah. Phileo love, phileo, phileo. The Greek word phileo is brotherly love, okay? Phileo. Brotherly love. And so the man, because of his love for his brother, the king, Atalus, and his love for his brother, his they gave him a nickname, Philadelphos. Phileo is love, Adelphos is brother. So he has a brotherly love, so much that they call him. But because of his influence and his help in that region, they named the city after him, Philadelphia. So Philadelphia actually means brotherly love. So they named the city after uh, 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 Apelles nickname, which is Philadelphus. All right. Now, but that was not the only name of the city. Later on, because of the, the, uh, the earthquakes that used to happen re- frequently, there was, fact, there was a major earthquake that, dis- that flattened Smyrna and flattened Philadelphia in those days. And at that time, the emperor Caesar Tiberius. Caesar Tiberius was the emperor and he helped them send them funds and rebuilt the city. So, because of his generosity, they they actually named the city after him again, which is Neo Caesarea. Caesar Tiberius is in the Bible, you know. I think yeah. Yeah. Luke chapter 3, verse 1 talks about in the times of Caesar Tiberius. That was when Pontius Pilate he used to be a Pontius Pilate. It, now, in the fifth year of the reign of C- Tiberius Caesar. Okay. So, this Caesar, they named the, the city, he got, he's helped them with a lot of funding. They named the city after him, Neo Caesarea. Neo means new, just like New York. This one, New Caesarea. So, New York was named after York. So, now it's, but that was not the only name. Have you noticed that they are used to name change? Yeah. And then another emperor arises and helps them immensely. He was very influential. This emperor was called Emperor Vespasian and his family name was Flavia. But because he was so helpful to them, they named, they ended up naming uh, the city Flavia, so it has had a few name changes. Now these are all significant because remember Jesus said, "I'll give you a name." Yeah. 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 Jesus told them, "I'll give you a name." Jesus told them that uh, I'll write your name on, uh, I'll write the name of my uh, the city of my on you, so you can understand. Jesus ex- use what they are familiar with to determine what he was going to do for them, at least to explain what he was going to do, he was going to do for them. So this is just a little brief, a, a brief history about the, ch- the city of Philadelphia. How about the church? The church in Philadelphia was a very small church. When you want to talk about mega churches, you no, know, this one is a mini church. Mega churches was Titeria, Sardis, those places, jumping life, booming, mega church. But Philadelphia was not a mega church; it was just a small church. But Jesus was very impressed with them. So let's go back to the text again, having having understood this background. Revelation chapter three, verse seven. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, write: These things say he who is holy. Let's say he who is holy. He who is holy. Please say it again. He who is holy. Jesus is holy. So let me just give you the the, the names he gave to himself. Do you, do you know that all the letters to the various churches, he used names that were in chapter 1 from verse 16 downwards? But this place, he used a name that was not in chapter 1, holy. It's not one of the descriptions. Of, so he says that, and to the angel of the church of uh, Philadelphia, right, this thing says, He who is holy, <coughs> who is true. Who has the keys of David? This thing is packed. He, he who opens and no one can shut, and shuts and no one can open. Look at the description given. For instance, when he came to um, Pergamos, he tell, it talks about he who has the bronze feet and sharp, um, piercing eyes. When he came to Titania, he describes himself as the one who is coming to crash. Then, so obviously, Philadelphia will be waiting. Oh my God, what is he going to tell us about himself? Then he comes, he said, and actually, he uses the longest description of himself for Philadelphia more than all the others. And first description is, I am holy. This is what he who is holy says. Say, Jesus is holy. Jesus. In Leviticus chapter 11, verse 44, the Bible talks about how God is holy. So holy, being holy is actually the title of God. For I am um, the Lord your God, you shall therefore consecrate yourself and you shall be holy, for I am holy. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 15 and 16, 15 particularly, but as he who is holy is holy, so you be holy. So actually, the <clears throat> holiness is a title for God. Now Jesus said this is what me." He who is holy is saying. When you read Isaiah chapter 6, verse 3. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 3. Thank you, Lord Jesus. (coughs) Let's all read it from the screen. Let's go. is full of his glory. Now, when the, he saw heaven, when he saw the throne of grace, he saw these creatures crying out. Holy, that's the that language of Revelation chapter 4 verse 8. Bible says that they never ceased and the four living creatures each having six wings, full of eyes around and within and they do not rest day nor night saying what? Holy, holy is like the Trinity. Three holies. holy, holy. Holy, so holy is the description of God. But when you read Isaiah, Isaiah always, I I think in the book of Isaiah, there are about over 30 30 references of the Holy One referring to God, the the Holy One of Israel, the Holy One of Israel, the Holy One of Israel, the Holy One of Israel. So Isaiah talks about God being the Holy One. Now Jesus in Revelations presents himself as the Holy One. So what he's trying to say is that, Interestingly, when you read the book of Revelation, there are over, um, I think, 400 or 200 references to the Old Testament in the book of Revelation, if you read it very well. So that means that if you you don't understand the Old Testament and read Revelation, you won't really be able to appreciate it properly. You won't get it. But Jesus Christ used the the title holy. Remember when Mary was pregnant, or when she was about to be pregnant, the angel told, what did the angel tell Mary? Luke chapter 1 verse 35 said, the Holy Ghost shall come upon you, and the power of the highest shall overshadow you. Do you remember? Let's Let's go. Therefore, therefore, also, the, the Holy One, referring to Jesus. Meanwhile, in Isaiah, the Holy One was the title of God. Now, Jesus refers him to, to himself as holy. Mark chapter 1, verse uh, 45. Very interesting. If 35, I'm sorry. Mark chapter 1, verse 24, please, pardon me. Mark 1, 24. Even the demons said, leave us alone. What are we going to do with you? Jesus, you came to destroy us. And we know you are the Holy One of God. Even demons knew he was the Holy One. It's only human beings and some church leaders who don't know he's the Holy One. <laughs> <laughs> Holy One. In Luke chapter one verse, uh, sorry, Luke chapter 4 verse 34, demons were crying out, Holy One of God. Holy One, Luke one thirty four, saying, "Leave us or let us alone. What have we got to do with you? What have we got to do with Jesus of that? Realm? Did you come to destroy us? Is that not what I just read earlier? On? Yeah. All right. So demons call him as the, <clears throat> as the Holy One. So Jesus is the Holy One. Revelation chapter. 11, let me give you um, just two more references. And then, Revelation chapter six, verse ten. I like this particular one and 16 verse five. And they cried out with a loud voice saying, how long, O Lord, holy and true. Let's all say holy and true. Holy and true. Let's say say, say one more time. Holy and true. They call him, you are the one who is holy. Holy means that I am different from everyone. So when he showed up to talk to the church of sorry. Church of Philadelphia, his first description of himself was, this is what the Holy One says. Is it only the Holy One? He said, Revelation, he said, this t- says he who is holy and he who is true. The word true, the, the Greek word, most of the time when you come to across the Greek word true, it also means real. He who is real, who is authentic. All the other things are fake. Yeah. Even financial breakthrough is fake. It does not satisfy you truly, or truly. Material possession doesn't satisfy truly. How many of you have discovered that? Those of you who have not discovered, I'm telling you, I pray that you find out quickly, because it does not satisfy, nothing satisfies truly. So this is what he who is true, He's true, he's the real deal. Yeah. A lot of things are not real. Yeah, indeed. Christ is the real, deal. he said, this is what he, I am holy and I'm true. I am, John chapter um, 14 verse six, I am the way, the truth The life. He said, I am, I am. I am the truth. That's why the Holy Spirit is called the spirit of truth. It comes to reveal Jesus, who is the true. Yeah. Wow, I think Revelation 19 11 talks about. I'm uh, the way, that, uh, so Revelation I I saw the heavens of being behold, and he's he, he was called faithful and true. His name is true, <laughs> and so you realize that. Watch this. Most of the descriptions Jesus Christ uses for himself in Revelation is the same descriptions for God. So, for instance, in Revelation chapter, I think, 1 verse 8, yeah, 1 verse 8 and 9, yeah, I am, this, the, the, go to verse 7, Revelation chapter 1 verse 7, Behold, he is coming on the clouds, and every eye shall see him, and, and then all the tribes shall, amen. Then verse 8 says that, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning, says the Lord, who is and who was and who the Almighty. This is God. But Jesus Christ, when he comes, when he was talking in verse 18, he said, I am the Alpha and Omega. Right, right. So most of the terms that Jesus would use for himself is the same term for God. Jesus is God. <coughs> And I don't have to apologize. It, it, I like the way Archbishop bishop it. It is what it is. Yes, okay, it is what it is. Oh, no, how can Jesus be? It is what it is. Thank God you didn't create yourself. Yes. You want to ask the creator, why, why is he not as limited as you? Yeah. Ooh. Wow. Ooh. Wow. You are using anthropomorphic <laughs> mindsets. Strong. Strong. Anthropomorphic simple, simply means human form. Yeah. So, Christ is God. Let's all say that together. Is God. Please say it again. Christ is God. Say it louder for the last time. Christ is God. So, Christ said this is what he who is holy says. Let's go on. I like the next bit. He says that... Um, these things say he is holy, who is true. He who has the key of David, who opens and no one can shut, and who shuts and no one can open. The keys. Is that what is a keys? Keys. Say keys. Keys. Yeah, so the key of David. Now, uh, this is quite interesting. And I think uh, how much time have I got to uh, um es- explain this? There is somewhere in the Bible where the, the Bible uses this kind of similar phrase. Isaiah 22, verse 22 is easy to remember. Some, some texts are easy to remember, isn't it? Isaiah 22, 22. Wow, that's nice. Did you see that? The key of the house of David. I will lay on his shoulder, uh, uh, the, the keys of the house David, I will lay on his shoulder. So he shall open and no one can shut, he shall shut and no one can open. Now this, watch this, this is a messianic verse. When you hear the word messianic, that means that even though it was written before Messiah showed up, it was actually referring to the Messiah. Even though it referred to someone who actually was living, it was more referring to the Messiah. Even though someone, it was someone. Does it make sense? It's called the law of double reference. So when Abraham told Isaac, God would provide for himself a lamb, he was not actually thinking exactly about Jesus, even though his words were prophesying about Jesus. Does that make sense? Because Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away... Abraham was the first person to speak about God's Lamb. Yeah. When Isaac said, Father, this is the lamb, this is the knife, this is the firewood, but where is the lamb? He said, my son, don't worry, Genesis chapter 22, for God will provide for himself a lamb. When he was saying that, he was actually prophesying that God will provide for himself a lamb, the lamb of God. So when John the Baptist saw Jesus in John chapter 1 verse 29, he said, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. When John said, I wept because there was nobody worthy enough to take the scrolls and to open, Revelation chapter five, he said, and then I heard a voice, verse four, behind me, weep not, O John, John, weep not, for the lion of the tribe of Judah has prevailed to open, take the scrolls, and to lose it. Verse six said, and I turned to see. When I turned, I was thinking of seeing a lion. I saw a lamb. He said, the lion has prevailed. I turned, it was a lamb. He is the lion and the lamb. That sounds like an oxymoron. He is the lion and the lamb. When it comes to sin, when it comes to sin, his blood covers us, takes care of our sins. When it comes to conquering, he's the the conquering lion. He defeated, so he's the lamb of God to take care of our sins. He's the lion of God to crush the devil on our behalf. Shout, Hallelujah! So he says that Jesus, so Abraham was talking about Jesus, okay, when he, he wasn't in his active mind, but because he was a prophet, because he was filled with the Spirit of God, what he said, in the same way, in Isaiah, so Messianic, there are a lot of things David said. There are a lot of things David said in the Bible, which was referred. for instance, Psalm 22, Psalm 22, verse 3. Do you know what David said? He said, Early. So, so, no, sorry, verse, verse 1, from verse 1, I think, rather, From, from verse 1. Eli, Eli, Labak Is it not Jesus' cry on the cross? Yeah. Psalm 22 is the cry of Jesus. The whole is about Jesus. It's a messianic psalm. And so, even though David was saying it, it when you read the Bible, uh, uh, the apostle said, David, being a prophet, spoke. The Spirit of God spoke through David. Uh, Isaiah, uh, sorry, Acts chapter 1, I think, verse 17 and 18, talking about um, Judas's place. Peter spoke about how David spoke. The Spirit of God, verse 16, uh, said, Men and brethren. But the Scriptures... Was the field which the Holy Spirit spoke, Holy Spirit spoke how by the mouth of David. So there are things that, in when you go down, chapter 2, David spoke, chapter 2, verse 20, 20, 27, somewhere there. I didn't even quote, but it's good. Chapter 2, 27, it says that you will not suffer uh, for David, Hmm. for you will not leave. The soul, uh, my soul in haste. Nor will you allow your holy, see the holy one, yes. to see corruption. Now, who said this? Look at verse 20, uh, uh, pre- pre- previous verse. Do you see that? Let's all read verse 25. Too. Let's go. Whoa, concerning who? Him. You see the him there? David said concerning him. Go ahead. I have the Lord for one race, for he is out of my for now, this is David talking. Continue. Verse 26. Therefore my heart rejoiced. And my, my tongue was glad. Moreover, my flesh are resting. Verse 27. In now, this is David's story. He was writing it. But as he was writing it, he was actually writing, like he took the position of the Messiah. And he was writing so the spirit of God was so it was David's confession, but it's actually the Messiah, this is what the Messiah was going to say. Okay. Go go to the next verse. Let me show you something. Let's go. the The next verse. Watch this that he is both dead and buried, and his tomb is with us unto this day. So after you quoted what David said, let me tell you guys, David, if he said that you know not allow your holy one to see corruption, David, dead. He's buried, his tomb is with us today. He has seen corruption. Go to the next verse. Therefore, David being a prophet and knowing that God was as sworn with an oath to him that from the fruit of the body, according to the flesh, is going to raise up the Christ. He spoke, the next verse, the next verse 31, he he foreseeing this spoke. You see, so David was speaking concerning the Messiah. Now, why why did they have to bring this? That was the first preaching. Acts chapter 2. The first preaching of the church. They made reference to what David spoke and then said that when David was saying this, he wasn't talking about himself, guys, because he's still dead. Mm. When David was saying this, he was talking about the Messiah because it is only Jesus who has resurrected. Um, Hallelujah. So, and we are preaching him to you. So that's the whole message. So they went to the Old Testament, pulled out the message in the Old Testament, and then brought it and said, this all things that you have been reading and you believe, it is actually concerning Jesus. And then when they finished preaching, this Bible said they were cut to the heart. And they said, "Men and brethren, what shall we do?" He said, "Repent. Yes. Yes. Repent." So now that is that's what was happening. So when you read the scriptures and you come across what, uh, in fact, the Acts chapter three thirty-five or thirty-seven talks again about the Holy One. Acts chapter thirteen, Paul's first preaching, he had to make reference to the Holy One. Paul's first preaching in the Gentile world. So they were always talking about these things and making references to Jesus. Now, Jesus, watch this. So in Isaiah chapter 22, verse 22, there is a very interesting story there. I don't know if you're interested. Those of you who love stories, I think this would be a good story. (laughs) From verse 14, there's a gentleman called uh, uh, Mm Shibna. And then from verse 16 somewhere, there's another gentleman called Eliakim. Now, from verse 14, Acts, uh, Isaiah 22. You have to watch this. From verse 14. Then it was revealed in my hearing by the Lord of hosts. Surely for this iniquity, uh, surely for the, this iniquity, there will be no atonement for you, even to your death, says the Lord of Verse 15. That's Shibna coming. That says the Lord of hosts. Go proceed to the steward, to Shibna, who is over the house and say. Now, Shibna was like a caretaker. Okay. If the king was not there, he was there. Right. Not by political appointment or monarchical appointment, but for sovereignty, but he was a servant. But he had the keys to all the house, everything. He was the runner of the house, like Joseph. So, if the king is not there, he has so much power. If he becomes your friend, you will do well. Yeah, 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 okay. will yeah. do, he's like chief of staff. Yeah yeah, 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 So, Shibna was like the chief of staff. He controlled almost everything by the king. And Shibna, when you read it down that word, Shibna now began to use his position to line his pocket, and God said, I will take Shibna, and I will put him in a flame. Look at it. He said, I will sling you, I will throw you like a sling, and you can push you to another country. Go and die over there. Shibna. Because when you were in charge of the keys, you were now using it to. He went and carved a special tomb for himself when he died. Shibna. (laughs) Shibna. God said he took a two, special to glorious one. Wow. So now, verse 19. After God said, and I will drive you out of your office and from your position, he will pull you down. Okay, go to the next verse, verse 20. Now, then it shall be in that day that I will call my servant Eliakim, the son of Helkiah, Helkiah, Helkiah. Verse 20, and I'll clothe him with your robes and strengthen him with your belt. I will commit your responsibility into his hand, and he shall be a father to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and to the house of Judah. Verse 22, look at verse 22. Verse 22 says that the king of the house of David I will lay on his shoulder. Those days when you go into the those ha- the houses, a big house, well, as soon as you enter, you know who is The, the captain in the house. Right. Because they used to have that, like the way when you see soldiers, you can tell this one is a senior by the ranking. They had a key engraved in their, wow. on their shoulder. That's why I said the government shall be on his shoulder. Right. So they said, I will the key, I'll give it to him, and I'll I will put it on his shoulder. When you enter, you know this one in the church. But that was talking about, I'm going to appoint Jesus in, yeah. himself. Yeah. Okay. So First time the key of David was used is the scripture. I'll give him that key. That key gives access. Access into what? Access into the treasury of God. Access into the bounties of God. Access into the kingdom of God. Ah, hallelujah. The access. He said, I am the one who, Revelation again. Revelation chapter 3. Yes. Uh, these things say, he who has the key of David. Mm. As I studied, I realized, if, you know, I spoke about David. Yeah. David. What made David, David? I believe that that's the key of David. Yeah. Now, when, when you talk about David, David's equity in the Bible, David was the one who fought for the kingdom of God. Yeah. He fought to establish the kingdom and then let Solomon take over. And then after he fought for the kingdom, you know what he did? He desired to build the house of God. And God said, David, you can't build it. Because you have, if it has entered your heart, you are a fighter. And so I want somebody else. Because you have, it has entered your house, that title deed will never leave your life. Because no man can build a house for God. When he was talking about that, he was talking about Jesus. David said, I want to do it, but God said, no, you can't do it. Me, myself, I'm coming down to come and do it. So he said, okay, the temple. You, Solomon will build the temple. What God was talking about is actually the house of God. Watch this. It's actually the house of God. And so, by desiring to build God a house, David's human being secures that exclusive position on earth to be the, t- the title holder, the title deal holder for the house of God. Wow. He had the key. That is why the throne never left David's house. Not because he killed Goliath. Because he was a fornicator. Yeah. Mm. Why, why, why should a fornicator give, be given such privileges? Yeah. Wow. Uh, by a holy God? No. But the guy's focus was on God's house. Listen, when your mind is on, is on God's house, God's mind will be on you. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. He had... The key, David had that key. So Jesus said, uh, God told um, David, nobody on earth will be allowed to build without being your son. (laughs) 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 No one, watch this, no one can build, even me God. Ha! Watch this, even me God, the only one who can build the house for myself. Even when I come to build, I have to come as your son that's david's key i have to come the key of david is the key to have the access to god's house the key of david is the key that makes you see if you use that key the uh, the church minded what's the house of god in galatians chapter 6 verse 10 it talks about the household of faith Oh, God has a household. Galatians 6:10 says, the house, do good when you get opportunity. Let's do good to especially those of the household of faith. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. It talks about the household of God. We used to be aliens, we used to be far away. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of what? Yeah. The household of God. God has a household in First Peter, First Timothy, chapter three, verse fifteen. He says that I write this to so that you know how to conduct yourself in the house of God, mm. or oh, in the church of the living God, which is the house of God. Conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God. The house of God is the church. The key of David. Mm-hmm. How did David get that privilege? Because he focus was on. on on God's house. Mm. Pastor, watch this. Mm. Jesus said, who do men say hell? Mm. They said, you are the son of the living God. Mm. Jesus said, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you Mm. but my father. And I tell you, you are Peter, upon this rock, Matthew chapter 16, upon this rock I will build my church. The gates of hell will not prevail. Verse 19, he said, watch verse 19, and I I will give you the keys of the kingdom. Jesus is a key holder. <laughs> he said, I'll give you the keys of the kingdom. Key means sovereignty. Key connotes authority. Key connotes power. You have the right to enter any time anytime you want and come out anytime you want. He said, I have the keys the key of David. Wow, let me end here by adding this. <laughs> oh, he said, he who am the one who opens and no one can shut, did you hear that? Yes, yes, yes. God can open, a- <sighs> no one can shut the door God opens for you. No one can shut it. Why are you afraid? Why are you trying to impress men so much? If God opens a marital door for you, I'm telling you, no one can shut it—not the witches of your family. If God opens a financial door for you, no one can shut it. On the other hand, if God has shut a door, you are forcing to open it. You are wasting your time. <laughs> You are using your connections and your access and your influence and all the things you have to try and get the door open, which God has shut. Come on. Come on. (laughs) I see God opening a door for you. I say, I see God opening a door for you. In the name of Jesus. He opens, no one can shut. He shuts and no one can open. I know verse eight says that. I know your works. Let's all say that together. I know your works. Say it again. I know your works. Can you imagine God saying this to you? <laughs> no, no. Think about God telling, I'm telling. God is telling you I know your works. Some of you immediately begin to get scared. I know your works. I know your works. Say I know your works. I know your works. Tell somebody. God knows your works. Men, let me not not dwell just on the negative, but the positive. Some of you are doing things that men may not see and applaud you. God said, I know your works. He sees your sacrifices. He sees how much you are investing into God's work. And the church of Philadelphia is a church that had only commendation without condemnation. Amen. How sweet would that be when Jesus shows up and is giving you commendation? Yeah. He said, Well done. Well done. They were not perfect. They were not perfect, but they were faithful. The blessed I almost wanted to title today's message: The Blessedness of a Faithful Church. Wow. One of the greatest blessings of a community and a society is to have a faithful church. A faithful church allows God to be seen wherever the church is. We have to be a faithful church. We have to be a faithful church. I have to be a faithful pastor. A faithful pastor because he's looking for faithfulness. Well done, thou good and faithful Shibna. (laughs) Shibna is opposite to faithfulness. But Eliakim. Well done. Let's remain faithful. But let me end on this note. God, Christ says that I have the keys. I will Open a door, when I open a door, no one can shut it. And when I shut the door, no one can open. So that means that if you can trust him, don't be afraid, just trust him. Because no one can interrupt and interfere what he has started in your life when you walk with him. God is helping you and he'll continue to help you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We thank God for using his servant, Reverend Dr. David Entry, to share this awesome word. If this message has blessed you in any way, please spread the word by sharing it and send us an email to amen at charis.org. Remember to stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter for regular updates on what God is doing here at Karis Ministries. Stay blessed.